the Crescent City is always full of exciting affairs. Award-winning journalist and social media influencer Casey Ferrand has entertaining conversations about the people, places, and events in the greater New Orleans area so you can stay in the know. Here's your host, Casey Ferrand. Welcome to In the Know with Casey Ferrand. I am your host today, and we always have the pleasure of bringing some amazing people to you on this show. And today is no different. I have the pleasure of sitting down and speaking to Miss Lorette Neville, um, who many people may know from her past career as a rapper and singer. She's also still on stage performing with the Jason Neville Funky Soul Band. Uh, welcome to the show. Well, welcome. Welcome you. I welcome <laughs> you. Welcome me to my show, huh? <laughs> you know what? You, um, you're welcoming me into your world. Yes, I and am. And it's been a pleasure just kind of briefly speaking to you about the work you do. You um, have worn many hats throughout your life. as yes. a, Like I said, a rapper, a singer, uh, also former Air Force veteran, um, mm. a, min- a licensed minister. So I want to get into all of that throughout this time. But okay. let's first talk, talk about the beginning. You, um, okay as you were telling me, started rapping in high school. Started rapping in the 10th grade. Um, when you were known as MC Rhett MC at that Rhett. time. Back in the days with the Manny Freshes of the world and the, uh, there was a couple of different DJs, very popular. Gregory D, you know, Sporty T, those guys were out back then, real popular groups. And when dancing was the way we, you know, we had beef, we danced it off, you know, there was dance off with the Ninja Crew and you what know, these those are good times. I my I was my crew. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I had management representation in tenth grade. Oh, wow. uh, the one wow. and only Mr. Walter Powell was my manager. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Very successful businessman in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, needless to say, we had some good times, and you know, we used to go around to different schools and challenge. I was very confident back then. And still um, are. I think my record stands like Mayweather's. I, you know, I don't think undefeated. anybody ever beat me. <laughs> I was undefeated in high school. I really was, you know, but I, I was never to the point where I didn't embrace other women's gifts. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I thought it was pretty cool. I met some females along the way. Some of them went off. Uh, Mia X was one of them to do really uh, wonderful things. And just keep her in your prayers as well. Um, and, you know, I, I was able to meet the ghetto twins, you know, back in the days that we were like the girls, that the it girls as far as the rap game. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of ventured off into some different type of rap yeah so what was what was your rap what was uh the way you like to express yourself always empowering women it was always about empowering women and um teaching individuals how to come out i wanted people to hear my lyrics and do something with them it wasn't just rapping for me it was Mm -hmm. poetry it was being able to send out a message and you know pray that they get the message so i was really hard with my messages but I was soft with what I was saying in the, the message. The delivery. The yeah. delivery, yeah. Just to, you know, and, and I really admired the Lauren Hills and the Queen Latifahs, you know, the MC Lights. I grew up in that generation. So those females, they were, you know, like MC Light was hard, but she was cool and laid back. Mm-hmm. You know, so I tried to take a little bit from each and every one of them, but then still be myself. Yeah. I didn't want to be duplicated. I wanted to be me. And that's what I think and I've always still been are, able to yeah, do. Yeah, still are today. And you said um, you also had names like Tiger Slim. Mm-hmm. When I got older, uh, I changed my name. Well, people <laughs> <laughs> helped me because they used to say I was very aggressive because um, I, I was a 
the first African-American female in Louisiana to have my own record label. And so a lot of the things that I was doing, they were telling me it couldn't be done. And the first cut that I put out, I remember going to Q93, and uh, Wild Wayne was there, and they were telling me that the music that I was doing was really good, but it was too positive. Mm. At the time, it was heartbreaking because I was young. I didn't understand it. But they were saying, no, you know, that's just not going to push right now. So I remember getting these write-ups in the Louisiana Weekly and the Times and, you know, talking about this female and what I was doing, but I could never get the airplay. And so a friend of mine said, you need to bring that to New York. You need to go upstate with that. At the time, I was young. I was like, I'm not going to New York. <laughs> I'm going to stay right here and figure this game out. And so... I did, and we'll talk about that later. Yeah, and you you actually, like you said, started your own record label. Rose Entertainment, and I got the concept from Aretha Franklin when she made a rose, it's still a rose. Mm -hmm. So my goal was to be able to have other females to come on the label and not feel degraded, Mm -hmm. because in this industry, you can go through a lot if you're not, and I'm not going to say if you're not strong enough, if you're not wise enough, you don't have the wisdom necessary to get you through the music industry, even starting in your own city, you can get caught up. Mm-hmm. And I wanted women to feel comfortable coming to my label to know, you know. That what was it about the industry that made you want to start your own label? Everybody wanted me to be who they wanted me to be. And I wanted to be who I wanted to be. Because I was always able to identify with myself. Mm-hmm. If you don't know who you are, then it's going to be rough. Yeah. <laughs> Other people are going to make you become who they want you to be. So that's what made me start my own label. So then I could be me. A, a label of just you, and then you started bringing on more women? I bought females. Um, a young lady by the name of Rosalind, one of, still one of the baddest females that never really continued to pursue the music, but I always say she was the, the unforgotten chosen one. Fantastic. Um, and then I bought in some young, a young, young, some young guys, um, and we started a group called Transition mm-hmm. on my label. And it actually was just promoting, my first single was Kings and Queens. And it was really promoting, you know, the old me versus the me that I was becoming. Because I wasn't quite at that transition phase, but I was transitioning. Because mm-hmm. I was kind of a wild child, you know. I was, I was, you know, at all of the functions doing whatever, <laughs> lying to my parents. I hope they're not listening. <laughs> but, you know, they, they understood that I wasn't doing anything but rapping. And now a lot of people know you maybe as the first lady of funk. Right. Um, because you are know. part of the first family of funk. Right. As the Neville, obviously, uh, right. Neville family, the famous Neville family. What is it like being a part of that family? Well, I'm going to tell you now, it had its challenges. Um, <laughs> you know, here I am, you know, I'm coming into this family, which is royalty in New Orleans. And my father was a musician. At mm-hmm. the time, my husband didn't know. Well, who's my husband now, um, he didn't know when I met him. I was just Lorette Dabney, Tiger Slim, as they knew me in the streets. And, um, you know, I was very aggressive. And so some people took that the wrong way. Like, who People say that like it's just, a bad thing. Yeah, it's like, you know, you're just coming in here with all this aggression. <laughs> but when they got to know me, you know, it was funny because Jason really was very cool, laid-back kind of guy. He really didn't want He didn't really want you to know who he was. He just was a laid-back, I'm just Jay, and he would always say that, you know, which is his album that's coming out, I'm just Jay. And um, I went to his house one day to meet him. And I had to go through all these security measures. I'm like, well, <laughs> who is this dude? Wait, I want to hear more about that. 
Coming up after the break, we'll talk more about how you became indoctrinated into yes. the devil family clan. Yes. All right, stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to a BAM Network original. In the know. Welcome back to In the Know. Here's your host, Casey Ferrand. Welcome back to In the Know. I'm here with my guest, Lorette Neville, who has been telling me about her history in the music business and how she got her start in the business, uh, starting her own record label in 1999. Um, and you also married into another iconic mm-hmm. um, family here in right. New Orleans, uh, the Neville family. Talk about, you were telling me about the first time you met your husband, Jason. Yeah, I met my husband uh, uptown looking for some tracks. We were just friends. He had the best tracks in New Orleans. At least that was able to cater to what I was looking for. Depends on what you want. And so one day we were meeting up. He asked me to meet him at his house. And when I got there, I was like, okay, what is this deal here? They needed to see my ID and make calls and... (laughs) I was at, at this, the house. Yeah, I was at this gate, and um, I'm like, I'm still kind of young, you know. I don't understand it. And then I remember, I never forget saying my name. Everybody knew me by Tiger Slim. He, you know, that's what they called me. So I said my name, and they wouldn't let me back. And then um, finally, the guy, I said, oh, and I said my government name. Oh. <laughs> and then they let me back. So when I got back, I, I, rem- I never forget this. I walked in the back door really big home and I walked in the back door and I met this lady and she introduced herself as Jason's mother and I was just waiting on Jason just kind of standing there and then this big old guy comes down the steps and in my mind I'm saying wow I know this man from somewhere but I'm thinking I'm I don't know in my past I had so much going on maybe I did I work with him what I know this man from and then finally I see all these awards and <laughs> It still is not getting into my head. And then he shakes my hand, and I shake his hand, and he said, I'm Aaron. And then instantly I'm like, Aaron Neville? Because my dad used to tell me stories about him. Because mm-hmm. my dad's a musician, Sullivan Dabney. He's a jazz artist. And um, my dad used to tell me stories about this man and, you know, different accomplishments, you know, from where he came from as opposed to where he ended up being. So it was interesting to meet him, but he was so, that's like my other father, mm-hmm. very laid back. Yeah, he seems like it. He, he is very so nice. laid back. He don't take no mess, though, but he's, <laughs> he's very laid back. Um, so you guys have been married for 21 years. 21 years. Um, and two kids? Two. Aw, beautiful. Two. Yeah. Are they, not, in the mu- are they in the music business, too? Not at all. <laughs> nope. No, my son is a, a junior in college, and uh, my daughter, she is a senior in college. Well, congratulations. And, uh, yeah, they're both doing their own thing. They're a lot like their mother. You learned a lot of lessons, I'm sure, from the music industry. And that kind of spurred some of the work you're doing now, yes. I would imagine. Well, I'm going to tell you, one. I'm glad you said that because we were talking about my daughter. I had a girl group called Blush, and it was her and another young lady. And um, I had wrote some really great fairy tale type of tunes for them. One in particular, I see they're making a movie about it now called The Substitute. And it was about what happens when the teacher's out. Mm-hmm. So it was really a fun song. We got some good airplay. The girls were really popular and we were gonna go into this negotiation with Disney. And then my daughter came back and said she was very young at the time. She wanted to be a cheerleader. I, I didn't understand it at the time I couldn't comprehend. <laughs> so I had really worked hard. And, um, you know, it was like them. And I remember Sally Ann Robinson, we did one of their shows, and she said, watch out, little Romeo. And I got that call. 
And I said, oh, little Romeo, little Romeo don't want none of this. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so it was fun. But the girls just decided they didn't want to do it anymore. They liked the excitement of meeting the, you know, I let them meet Nick Cannon. You know, we had some conversations. And back in the day, it was B2K, the popular group. Mm-hmm. But after that, that was it. They they did the whole limo thing and all they that. They weren't here they, for it. They didn't want the other part to it. The fun, the Gucci and all yeah. that. Yeah. But when they realized the this is a job. Yes. They said, we just want to go to school and be cheerleaders. So that ended that segment of my life. Well, so that was your daughter and some of her friends? My daughter and one of her friends. One of her friends. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So you were talking, too, about how um, you actually moved to Atlanta yes. post-Katrina and yes. started working in community work there and started I a did. nonprofit called Find- Finding a Way Out. Yes. yes. Tell me about that program. Yes. Before I left New Orleans, it was about three weeks before I left, there was two uh, young ladies and a young man, and they met me, and they just took a liking to me. And they said, we want you to work with us. You know, we want to start a nonprofit. And if we start a nonprofit, they said they knew they were just fresh out of college. We know everything that there is to know. And I said, oh, okay. So they asked me to come up with a name, and I prayed about it. And it was finding a way out programs. And the reason I came up with that name is because I wanted to help teenagers to find a way out whatever you're going through i wanted to teach them that there was a way out Mm -hmm. because of some of my life experiences so when i got to atlanta um i didn't want to do the nonprofit because it took a long time to put all of that together so i was like how can i get in the door my first school this is like three weeks i'm people still trying to figure out what they're gonna do with their houses and i wasn't even thinking about that i was like it'll all work out but i wanted to get in there quick so I was in the military, Air Force Reserves, I'm a veteran, and I went to speak to the ROTC director at the North Atlanta High, I'll never forget it. And, um, you know, military people, we just got this thing, you mm. know, it's a respect, respect. And I said, listen, I'm here from New Orleans, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I want to come and talk to your ROTC students. Can I come to the school and talk to the kids? He said, well, you want to talk about the military? I said, nope, I, I don't really want to talk about that, I want to talk about real life issues. And he said, Okay, so he got the permission necessary, and I just went for it. And before you know it, they invited the whole school. I went back. Mm-hmm. So I was, like, doing an assembly. And then I started going to different schools. It, that's how I and did it. Grew. it. Yeah. And it grew. it grew. And so I met one of the young men. i never forget that I mentored. He is actually in the minor leagues playing baseball right now. His name was Jay Austin. And um, he became, like, one of my, like, this, this young man had been going through some things. Mm-hmm. But he became, like, you know, my protege, just watching him and watching his transition and, and looking at him now and being able to say, wow, you know, I was able to really touch that young man. So that's what I get out of it. Mm-hmm. It's not about anything else. It's about seeing them living their dreams and being able to deal with these kids, whether their parents are alcoholics, drug addicts, whatever the situation is. That was the goal of finding a way out to teach each and every one that I can impact, there's a way out no matter what it is. Yeah. And then and there was a point, in your, a point in your life when you had to find a way out of an abusive yes. relationship. Yes, yes. And I want to talk a little bit more about that when we come back of after course. the break. Of course, yes. All right, stay with us. You are listening to a BAM Network original. In the know. Welcome back to In the Know. Here's your host, Casey Ferran. Welcome back to In the Know with Casey Ferrand. I'm your host. I'm here with Miss Lorette Neville, and we have been talking about some of your amazing work uh, with the community of Atlanta, but coming home uh, to work also here in New Orleans with your uh, your group, the Jason Neville 
funky soul band. That's right. You said it right. <laughs> I got it. I had to write it down to make sure I won't mess that up. I don't want the Neville Clan coming after me. <laughs> so um, you were talking about your work uh, with the group, uh, the program called Finding a Way Out. Mm-hmm. And um, you spoke a little bit about your childhood, your youth, when you actually had to mm-hmm. found, find the way out yes. of an abusive relationship yes. at the age of about 20. Yeah. Well, believe it or not, it started at 17. My well, parents didn't know. Um, I was with a young man, and I want to stress this to my young ladies. He was an athlete. He was popular. You know, he was going to go to Georgetown. Everything was there. It was all set. And so the only thing I paid attention to was where he was going. For a while, I forgot where I was going. Mm -hmm. And we can kind of get ourselves tied up in these people and forget about ourselves. So the goal is not to lose yourself inside of a person, mm-hmm. which I did. And the warning signs were there. You know, it started up. Now, mind you, I was aggressive. So you push me, I'm going to push you back. Right. And, it, you know, you think it's okay when you're young. You know, oh, it's okay. That's no, not a big deal. I wouldn't tell my parents, but I was like, it's not a big deal. But eventually, we were still together. And by the time I made it to, I'm going to say 19, I have an older sister and a younger sister. My older sister started being nosy. She would notice different things. Now, I never came home with black eyes or anything like that, but she noticed there was a change in my behavior. Mm-hmm. And so she pulled me to the side one, and she's like, what's up with you? You know, like your sister would do. And I said, not that I'm good. I'm good. Because I was so tough on the outside. That exterior was so tough, mm-hmm. you know. I felt like if I said something, then I would look weak. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to tell her. And so for two or three years, I didn't stay married long at all. We ended up getting married, and it went from verbal light physical till literally having fights and the fights were so bad I mean you know it was to a point where somebody's gonna die and I remember my worst experience was me trying to leave and him telling me that I wasn't gonna leave and locking me in a house at gunpoint and I stood there for a day, and I knew eventually somebody was going to be looking. My, you know, I was I was younger, but I was married to the man, and I was trying to divorce him. Mm-hmm. And it bothered me because I knew him before all of the drama. I knew him before he started having problems. I knew him before he became violent. I knew him before he had drug addiction. And I just fell in love with that person before that. So for so many women, it's hard to get away because you know who they were versus who they have become. Mm-hmm. And it's the reality of it that that keeps you from leaving. You, you, you don't want to deal with that reality. It's too real. So you're thinking, I could fix it. I'm going to stay and I'm going to fix it and I'm going to make it better. But after that experience that I had, you know, I, I I don't want to get into how I got away, but there was an escape route. You know, God just blessed me. My godfather came over to the house and just happened to know. I think he got tipped off <laughs> to know that I was in the house. And he thought something was weird with that because he knew me. Like, why has she been there all that time and haven't come outside? Right. And so he came and that was how I got out. And after that, people were like, well, you didn't call the police. What did you do? You know, how? I said, no, I, then this is the truth. When women asked me, what did you do? I said, I started going to church. That's what I did. And you you also had to find a way to forgive. Yes, and that's where the process. First, I had to start going to church to even get a grip on who am I, where am I, what am I doing? Life for me had to just stop and start over. Because the two children that I have, they were from my first marriage. And then my my 
husband, you know, I've been married 21 years. Yeah, my son is early six months. So, you know, they always knew that that was their biological father and this was their dad because that's who they grew up in the house with. So for me, it was going to church, starting over, talking to a friend who's deceased now. And I always say he was my guardian angel. He said, you need to go to this church and you need to talk to somebody in the ministry and tell them what you're dealing with. Because I still hadn't told my parents. Mm-hmm. I was petrified. I didn't want to tell my because I didn't. You know, I don't know what your parents gonna do, or you know, my father, my uncle. I don't know what's gonna happen. And this was a true story. I prayed my way out to the point where, you know, he backed away from me, and that's when I got into learning about spiritual warfare and that it was real, and it, I wouldn't. He wouldn't come around me. Um, we would still be cordial, but that deep wound. That hurt, that pain, it was still there. So it was hard, and I tell women all the time, you're not going to just get past that. That's going to take some spiritual healing because, you know, in my flesh, you know what my flesh wanted to do. (laughs) I didn't feel like I needed my brother, my cousin, or anybody. I felt like I'm going to take care of this myself. But I believe that it was nothing but God because from that point, you know, he ended up getting in some worse trouble. He ended up doing time and changed his life. But he took him away from you. Yeah. Yeah. And by the time he came home, people would say, why are you going to see him? Why?" I said, I have to. I got to face this. Let's talk a little more after the break, too, about the advocacy work you're doing with abused women and homeless women in shelters uh, here in New Orleans. I will. All right. Let's stay. uh, We'll stay here. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You are listening to a BAM Network original. In the know. Welcome back to In the Know. Here's your host, Casey Ferran. All right, welcome back to In the Know with Casey Ferran. I'm your host sitting here with Miss Tiger Slim. (laughs) Some may know her as MC Red. Also the first lady of funk. She is uh, a part of the Jason Neville Funky Soul Band with her husband, Jason Neville. Uh, and, you know, we were talking about your first marriage and mm-hmm. some of the things you dealt with as far as abuse in that marriage. And, you know, you being a woman who um, people said was aggressive, mm-hmm. who is who seems so strong, who right. seems right. Uh, powerful. But you were you were in a weak moment in that yes. in that relationship. Yes. Um, what do you say to victims of domestic abuse? And well, and, the first thing I tell them is not to label themselves as a victim label themselves as someone who's going through an experience and it's a life experience. For me, during the time when I was going through it, I felt like, oh God, I'm a victim. But once I came out of it, I realized that the way that I came out of it was different from the way I hear other women say they came out of it. And everybody's story is different. That's what I wanted to make sure I capitalize on. Some people came out of their stories a little different. Some people just couldn't get out. You know, sometimes it ended daily. But in my situation, I felt like I was blessed and highly favored because it didn't end that way. It ended with me being able to walk away and not look back. Um, didn't know if I was going to get, you know, my hair blown off the next day. I just knew that I was going to keep walking, went to church, uh, began to learn things about myself. Who, You know, I knew God. My parents always made us go to church, but I, be, I built a relationship. It was a difference from knowing them and having a relationship with them. And so with that... That's how I begin to realize, okay, something is going to come from this. As I grew spiritually, I started learning. Whatever you've been through, something's going to come from it. You're going to have to share this with somebody. That's why you've been through it. And the more you hear that, the more you pump yourself up spiritually and begin to realize that, okay, 
okay, that was part of the journey. I had to go through that. Mm-hmm. And so after he was incarcerated and whatnot, just fast forward, came home. I met with him. Um, he was very, I mean, what else could he do except apologize? I knew it was the drugs. I knew it was the, all of this stuff. But he was very apologetic for the things that he had done. We were able to make peace. And I think for a lot of women, that's the hardest thing. A lot of times they don't get a chance to do that. For us, we made peace. He just passed away last year in February, and we were very peaceful with each other. He had regrets, but the worst part was, you know, being able to actually forgive and mean it, because we say it, but we don't mean it. Mm-hmm. I meant it, Yeah. and he felt it, and so I know, it was a uh, blessing. I kind of wanted to fast forward to, you know, your husband and your current relationship. You told me about five years ago he helped you find your voice as a singer. Yes. People know you as a rapper, percussionist, yes. but he helped you bring out that voice as a singer. He did. Uh, talk about that. Well, my husband always did do music. I mean, for years, forever. He's He was the novel who started when he was like seven years old. So he was always either lead singer for a group or doing something, you know, tracking, producing. And uh, one day he was doing a show. And again, that aggressiveness comes out. And I'm critiquing the show from the audience. And I'm saying, okay, well, this... He needs to do this, and this one needs to do that. And so I talked to my husband. I had to be very gentle and say, you know, I want to come do this song. And so he said, okay, cool. So it was Mavis Staples, I'll take you there. So I did the song, and I asked him how I did, and he said I did well And because he would tell me, you can sing. You just got to work on it. You, can, you got vocals. And hearing that from my husband, I mean, I always respected his vocal ability, my goodness. I think... Personally, if I wasn't married to him, I would say he was one of the top five vocalists in New Orleans because he, he's a bad boy. And, um, you know, I was a shower singer, but he lived with me and he would tell me. So I did this song and it went off really well. And so he would let me do the song at every show. And then that song turned into another song. And then that turned into a problem because some of the musicians <laughs> said, no way. You're not going to have no band with your wife in it. That's not going to work. Well, now you're a regular part of this band. Right. We performing. formed a different band. We, You know, he ended up making some massive changes. A couple of years ago, it's been about three years now, we ended up starting another band. It was the Jason Neville Band, and now it's Jason Neville Funky Soul Band. And, you know, we travel, we do whatever we want to do because I'm the manager. <laughs> yes, and as the first lady of the First the lady band. of funk, my husband's the band director. We have some great musicians, you know, that play with us and now it's like a dream come true for me. Too. And one of the mandates you have for them is that you all do community service. Yes, let's get on Twice that. Twice a year. Very, working I am with the very women. strict. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very strict. I'm going to tell you this and I might be putting somebody's business out there but I won't say names to protect the innocent or the not so innocent. <laughs> Two things I don't tolerate within this band. And that's abusing women, disrespecting your wife. Because if you're in this band and you're married, that's the only woman I want to meet on the show mm-hmm. and backstage. Mm. Other than that, you might not see that person anymore. So you make them volunteer at the women's shelter to have that respect we for have women. To, that, and I just started that this year mm-hmm. because it's my husband and I going, I want them to come. I want them to really meet these women in a whole nother realm. Because you know the, the fellas, they used to the women hollering and screaming at the shows. Yeah, I want them to really go to the flip side of that. And I want them to see these women and hear the stories that they have about what they've been through so they can learn that level of respect. And something I do in each show, and my husband just started allowing me to do it because <laughs> he's like, how that's going to fit? I always do like an encouragement segment within the show. So our show is like no other show. You know, we, we're not a cover 
band, but we do cover a lot of cover songs, but we also have original material. So, mm-hmm. you know, in our segments, you know, I'm able to, to do my empowerment speeches. So in your work at the shelter, what's that like? What... Being able to go to the shelter, um, I've actually decided to reach out because we would normally just drop stuff off. But I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to meet somebody. This, you know, I want to talk. I met a, I, I met this lady via email. So if anybody want to know what to do, just Google. <laughs> uh, looked up the women's shelter. Her name was Sydney Coleman. She started emailing me, told her who I was, what I do. And um, she told me what the needs were. So if anybody want to know what they need, they need toiletries, they need towels, they need soap, bleach, detergent, stuff like that. Um, and I asked her, would it, would it be okay if I bought women's clothing? So I got with some of my friends who have great careers and said, hey, you know, I need some clothes, you know. So we we gone over there personally, and, and I'm going to minister to the women as well. Amazing. Um, and after this break, I want to come back and talk to uh, to you more about your love of New Orleans. I mean, I know you're a New Orleans girl, but everyone has their own love story to New Orleans. So I want to okay. let you write your love letter to New Orleans Sounds after this good. break. Thank you. You are listening to a BAM Network original. In the know. Welcome back to In the Know. Here's your host, Casey Ferran. All right, welcome back to In the Know with Casey Ferran. I'm your host here with Lorette Neville. Uh, Before the break, we were talking about, when we first started, you were telling me you were in with Manny Fresh and those types Mm -hmm. back in the day. Mm -hmm. You still have a relationship with them and... In the mix? Well, when we see each other, yeah. you know, obviously it's like a reunion, you know. What was Manny like back detail. in the day? The same. <laughs> Still goofy. The same. <laughs> it's so funny. I saw Manny. I said, that's a shame. Look what the world has come to. I saw Manny on the interstate one day. Just and I was driving. trying to catch up with him to wave. And he speeded up. And I said, when I see him, I'll let him know that was me. But I said, he probably don't trust nobody no more. <laughs> and it's funny because when you become, you know, when you get to that status, it's very hard you know, to really know. And every time I would see him, he'd say, you act bad. But I don't. It wasn't that. It was that I was trying to give him his space. And I had my space. I was just in a different place in my life. He was in a different place in his life. I mean, we're not in high school no more. You know, you got to be careful the way you're doing things. We're not MC Rhett no more. Right, exactly. So, wait, what do you think about the music scene in New Orleans now? Oh, boy. The rap Well, the rap scene in New Orleans, I, I tell you what, my cousin is Lady Red. Um, so, you know, I kind of rolled with her for a little while before I even knew she was my cousin. That's my mother's, my, my mother's brother's daughter. And, um, yeah, so she's my real cousin, not my play cousin. (laughs) Uh, Let's clear that up. Blood. Yeah. And, um, you know, I watched some of the things that she went through and the transitions in her life. And I watched New Orleans music transition from one thing to the next. And what bothers me, and I'm going to say it because they know I don't bite my tongue. You know, they always talk about why this and what happened to the city and all of this stuff. It started with the music. <laughs> the music was wow. You know, even when I was coming out trying to do positive stuff, they wanted that wow. And the music got wild. The wilder the music got, the wilder the children got. And so, you know, the bouncing and the twerking and all that was a part of the musical heritage from the radio station promoting it. Mm-hmm. And so when you started seeing these young girls doing some of that stuff, it was because they were listening to it, they were branding it, and it became a part of the culture. Mm-hmm. So that's it in a nutshell. It, it became a part of the culture. And now, actually, you know, bounce music is great music. I love it. You know, we I do a bounce for three seconds in my show just to let them know I can do it if I wanted to. <laughs> But, um, you know, it's it's a part of the culture of New Orleans, but the music scene in New Orleans is different. 
the musicians at one time, you know, you go in, you meet with the club owner, you say, this is what we want. You shake hands, everybody goes home. Now it's different. You know, there's this big takeover where, you know, it's almost like some of the musicians, but you got to stand up for what you believe in. You know, you got to work for percentages of bars and you got to have these big crowds to come in and, you know, your percentages hopefully add up to what you need to pay your musicians. And, you know, I've always told the musicians, because I'm an advocate for them as well. I play Frenchman Street quite often. You know, you're only going to get what you what you want from whatever it is that you're doing. So use the platform. It's not a bad place. Use the Frenchman Street or the Bourbon Street or whatever you're going to do as a platform. Mm-hmm. But come out. Don't just get stuck there. Mm-hmm. And that's why the music scene has changed. A lot of people getting stuck and they're not, you know, coming out because they have so many out-of-towners coming in. And they're just taking pennies on a dollar. And so you either Diminishing the worth of right, the value. Right, the worth of the value yeah. of the musicians that, that live here. So we always like to do what's called our rapid fire question round. Okay. I have five <laughs> questions for you. Just give me the first answer that oh, comes Lord, to mind. Oh, Lord, that comes to this mind? <laughs> Let it flow. You don't have a problem with that. <laughs> so I know you told me where you grew up, but is it... Seventh Ward or Gentilly? Seven Ward. Seven Ward. What do you? Okay, so no Gentilly. That's part of Gentilly. Let's clear that up. <laughs> we we go together. Y'all go together. <laughs> Y'all remember that term? Back in the day, we go together. Okay, Swagmans or Winn Dixie? Swagmans. Do you miss Swagmans? Those old institutions of our city. I do. I mean, my mother used to go to Swagmans on Broad all the time. That was you look forward yes. to. That was like a field trip. And that one went, went away, like, right before Katrina, mm-hmm, was it? Yeah, because mm-hmm. my mom had a business right there on Broad and Bienville, and Schwagman's was... It was the it place. It was the meeting spot. Everybody went to Schwagman's. Your husband's <laughs> over here shaking his head. In case y'all didn't know, Jason's been in here the whole time. He's just <laughs> making all these faces at her. <laughs> He's Mr. from Neville. uptown, so we, got, oh, we have difference of opinion on makes some things. Sense. Makes so much sense. So, um, as an artist, do you prefer rapping or singing? Rapping. Because that's where you got your roots. That's what I do. But your your husband helped you find that voice, you said. Yeah, and it's cool. <laughs> it's cool. It's like but the, I found my rap voice. Yeah, it's not the main chorus. It's like an appetizer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to come hear y'all sing, for real. You said Mason and also we do, Tipitina's. We do Tips sometimes. We do Mason. We do um, Vaso sometimes. Yeah. Okay. You know, just different clubs. I can't even name Voodoo 2. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Uh, Favela Chic. Okay. It's different clubs. So I'm going to ask you another question, and I'm not trying to start no rivalry or okay. like a comp- competition. Bring it on. No limit or cash money. Ooh, well, I don't know. <laughs> it depends on what it is. <laughs> what is or it? Or who's leading. <laughs> <laughs> He's so silly. You can't pick one? I'm going to stay neutral with that. Okay. I'm going to let you stay yeah, neutral I'm cool on that. I'm cool with both of the, all I those cats. I don't want to cause no riffs. Yeah. Shrimp or hot sausage? Oh boy. Shrimp. Right. If you got a hot sausage, would it be the links or the patties? Patties. Okay, cool. No links. See, me and you, we good. <laughs> you know what? Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure getting to know you and hearing all about your story and your background. Um, if people want to continue to follow you you and your work, where can mm-hmm. they reach out to you? Uh, they can either reach us, uh, reach us on any social media. Everything is the same. It's Jason Neville Funky Soul Band. That's even the website, JasonNevilleFunkySoulBand.com. If they want to reach me personally, then I'm on social media. I'm Lorette Dabney Neville on social media. All right.
All right. Thanks so much for joining us. And we'll, I'll definitely be coming to catch y'all at one of those Sounds many locations. Good. To, good. Come get the treatment. You're not going to be the same. And the encouragement leave. session. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Stay, stay with us. We'll be back with more of What's to Know in the Know after this break. Thank you for staying with us. I'm Casey Ferran. You are listening to a BAM Network original. In the Know. Welcome back to In the Know. Here's your host, Casey Ferran. All right, welcome back to In the Know. I'm here with my girl, Tracy Wiley. Thanks for joining us. Anytime. For our What's to Know, In the Know segment. What is there going on that we need to know about? I think there's one thing I think we all know about. Uh, Hello, Jazz Fest. (laughs) (laughs) Two weekends of food, music, cultural events, just sun, hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully it does not rain. It's like hit or miss. Yeah. Sometimes it's the rain the first weekend Mm -hmm. and hot as heck the last weekend. Yeah, exactly. Um, wh- is this your favorite festival? I think we've talked about this This before. is definitely one of my favorite festivals. Um, I just go for food. I mean, I, I go to for the music as well, but to eat? Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. There's just so many vendors that are just people need to know about. Mm-hmm. Do you go, like, every day, every weekend? Like, how do you? Oh, my, um, my wallet routine? will not allow that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. My wallet will not allow so I, I mean, thought you might just have one of those hookups. You know, I feel like Tracy just has those hookups that we can. we don't need to talk about that on air right now. <laughs> I'm not. Everybody, no, honestly, I think everybody has a chance fest. Oh, uh, definitely, definitely. Know somebody that can help them get a discounted <laughs> ticket or like yes, sneak in in a van. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I cannot say that. Wait, I have let's not done let's that. not promote that too okay. much because we don't want our our insides. Right, to be right. Taken away. <laughs> Yeah, so who's performing this year? So, oh my goodness, Diana Ross, Katy Perry. Oh, Tank and the Bangers. Like, I'm really excited to see them. I've seen them one time, and mm-hmm. I was blown away. Um, who else? Who else? Um, I saw Sierra on there. Sierra, yes. That's that's kind of a different... I, yeah. I wouldn't expect to see her at Jazz Fest, but that's kind of cool. I didn't expect Sierra or Katy Perry, but mm-hmm. I'm here for it. I'm yeah. here for it. Who's... Um, the main stage, um, Acura. I think there's some other people that were on that stage too. Dave Matthews Band, Pitbull, Santana. Yeah, Pitbull's gonna be good. Oh wait, Al Green, Diana Ross. Oh, Lord. oh yeah, Shaka Khan. Ain't he's coming out? Oh my gosh. Oh, and then Leon Bridges. That's pretty cool. He's um, a local guy. Mm-hmm. He actually just won a Grammy, I believe. Whoop, whoop, shout um, out. He along with PJ Morton the same time. I don't know if PJ's oh, performing awesome. this year. If awesome. he was, that would be awesome. That would be a yeah. great little, like, you know, addition. Okay, okay. And then they also have, um, of course, our Old Faithfuls, Rebirth Brass Band. Trombone Shorty. Trombone Shorty closed Big out Frida, on- hello. Big Frida, yeah. So, I, my favorite, my favorite Jazz Fest day is literally, like, the last day of Jazz mm-hmm. Fest. Obviously going to Congo Square, hanging out with the family all Do day. Do you wear all white? I wear what makes me comfortable and it's not hot. Are like, you second lining? Not really. No. I'm pretty much one of those. I just kind of lay out on a blanket. Yeah. With uh, my feet kicked up and indulge in food all day yeah. and then listen to Frankie Beverly mm-hmm. and Maze and like dance with the girls yeah. and just vibe out that Sunday. That's my favorite. That's what jazz I look forward to. Thing. I look forward to hanging with my girlfriends. My husband does not do jazz fest, so really? <laughs> no, he does not do jazz fest. But just me and the girls, like you said, eating and mm-hmm. just like enjoying that feel good 
camaraderie. Mm-hmm. We had uh, Vance Vokashan on recently, and he Ooh. was talking about all the food and the he's he's his family. I think is one of yeah. the longest uh, running vendors to be at Jazz Fest. His sausage is so good. Yes, and that, and then what else? The crawfish bread, mm-hmm. um, the Mrs. Wheat's meat pie. I definitely bring um, Ziploc bags. Take those home, right? I do. I do. You know what I hate? Those people who don't come to Jazz Fest and tell you to bring something Mm -mm. from Jazz Fest to them. Like, bring me a plate from such and such. Because there's a lot of stuff you get at Jazz Fest you can't really get throughout the year. Like, it's you only go to Jazz Fest to get it. Yeah, like the crawfish enchiladas, Mm -hmm. um, the white chocolate bread pudding. Yep. The mango freezes. The mango (laughs) freezes. I'm sure you could get these things. But it's just something about the jazz fest mm-hmm, mm-hmm. experience and having those things brought, you know, and having that, you know, those memories of things that are. But I, I remember growing up, like, you know, jazz fest tickets were like 20 bucks. Yeah. Well, now they're like, like 70. I yeah. think it's 70 early bird, 75 um, afterwards and 80 at the gate. Mm-hmm. It's either 80 or 85. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy. Like you said, it, it used is. to be like $25. Yeah. And like tickets were. So much easier to come by, right? And like, you, I performed in the kids' tent when I was young, and we would all get like a couple of tickets to like give to our parents, and mm-hmm. you know, it could be like a family fun day. But, whew, like it's pricey now. You gotta sneak like you're not there, right. You're not going out there with the kids and the whole family. No, like you're you're gonna go with your girlfriends yeah. and like, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's it's always a good time. Um, and then this year too, it's the fiftieth anniversary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So another cool thing that they've done is they've added a Thursday to the first weekend. Mm -hmm. So usually on the second weekend, it's, you know, the Thursday is like the locals locals, day. But now they've added a whole other day. Maybe that's why it seems like there's more performers this year. Probably so. I mean, I enjoy locals day. A lot of people are like, I'm not going on locals day, but it's it's quieter. Um, It's just us. Mm -hmm. And the lines aren't that long. Yeah. So I enjoy Locals Day. It's getting a little crowded out there. Girl, yes, It is. Um, And I think a lot of, you know, with people, like, doing the Airbnbs in the Mm -hmm. area, it kind of takes away from, like, the parking options. Yeah. That's always a hassle. But, yeah, go ahead and get your tickets early because it's cheaper. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And me and Tracy going to be out there dancing in second line. Oh, yes. Looking for the Indians <laughs> and enjoying and embracing all the culture. Yes. Yeah. Eating, find eating, us. Eating. I'll find you. Okay. We'll, we'll go we'll, have a mango we'll freeze link together. Up, yeah. <laughs> and a crawfish bread. Oh, wait, and wait. Pie. The chicken. Who's the, the chicken uh, that's out there that's like the best chicken? Go. Oh, God. Is it fried chicken? It's fried chicken. See, I'm not eating fried chicken. Indulge. At the jazz Just do it. I can get fried chicken. You're right. You could. Yeah. So we're not going to. You're right. <laughs> we'll stick with the <laughs> the vocal sauce. Yeah, sausage. there you go. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Anytime. We'll see you um, next week. Yeah. And we'll thank you all for listening. I'm Casey Ferran. This is In the Know. For other BAM Network shows, visit BAMCommunications.com. This has been a BAM Network production.